0: To Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Pastor, when are we going to be done with Ecclesiastes? Well, we're in chapter 10. There's only 12 chapters. I know that means it could be two months, but we're in chapter 10. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I do very well when I go through a, a book of the Bible verse by verse, and ask God to teach me. And there's just something about it. I do well. I learn a lot that way. And um, uh, some of you, you like it as well. And some of you, that's just not your thing and not your style. But um, uh, praise God that we have the Word of God, and we can learn verse by verse in each verse in it. Amen? Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. The Bible says here in verse 1, Dead flies caused the ointment of the apothe- apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. All right, let's pray together. Lord, help us now as we go through this chapter. And Lord, this first verse has so much in it. May we take heed uh, to what Solomon is saying, to what, Lord, you have laid out here for us. I pray it help us now. Holy Spirit, would you meet with us, please? Lord, may I not uh, talk about things that you don't want me to to speak on tonight. Lord, may I be following and yielded to your spirit. There's so much in this passage, Lord, that we could deal with, Lord, and I pray that it would be rightly what you want it to be. And I pray that, God, I would be yielded to that and help me to do so. Lord, may we learn together as a church tonight in the word of God, in Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. Dead flies caused the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. This is an illustration here that is following off of what we've learned, the last statement of chapter 9. If you go back here, just right on the other side of the page for me, and and verse 18 of chapter 9, it says, But one sinner destroyeth much good. And so now he's giving an illustration to this: the dead flies. You know, we do we realize that the chapters and the verses weren't inspired? That man put those in there. Do we we get that right? Yes. Okay, we because God wrote the word, and then we put in chapters and, and verses so we could find specific places. All right, somewhere along the way, and uh, and so when we understand that, we see that he's got a thought here, and then he's carrying it into chapter ten. And if you, if you would read uh, some of the letters of the New Testament, some of the letters that Paul writes, if you would read them like a letter, then, then more so chapter by chapter, it might help you. Uh, when, whenever I'm able to read a whole letter in one sitting, I can get the whole aspect, the whole view, picture of what Paul is saying. And it's a great, great big help. And so... Uh, I'm not telling you to sit down and read the book of Genesis all in one sitting, all right? Or the book of Leviticus all in one sitting. I'm just telling you that. Uh, let's remember that sometimes one chapter can go into the next. And so he says dead flies here. That word dead, uh, the he- it's a Hebrew word, ma- maveth, and uh, it means death or ruin by pestilence. And the root uh, means death, but it could also point to kill. And so I wonder as I read this, is he talking about flies that are dead in the ointment? Or is he talking about the ointment attracting flies that bring death? Because he could be talking about both. Okay? We know in this world that there are things that fly in the air that carry disease. Okay? Uh, Obviously mosquitoes have been one to always uh, be accused of that, right? And uh, I don't know if when he says flies if he's really talking about what we consider a housefly, or if he's talking about something else. Obviously, I've never never lived in uh, Old Testament era in in Jerusalem, right? But but that doesn't mean much. It could be be anything here, but what he's saying here is dead flies caused the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Apothecary. Apothecary was a person that uh, took... Uh, took different ointments or, or different things and they would compound them together and make mixtures to make special sweet-smelling ointments and medicinal ointments to sell to people. Okay, uh, I've talked to you briefly about the balm of Gilead before, a resin that would come off uh, the, the trees that grew in, um, in Gilead. And uh, it was a special, a special tree in a special area that was not able to be grown many different places. And the balm of Gilead was specifically spoken of by Jeremiah that uh, do not have this balm. It was an ointment that was medicinal and it was sweet-smelling and, and helpful. So in the Old Testament, we know that they didn't have Walmart to go down to, right? And they, they couldn't run down and buy a stick of deodorant or something like that. They used different things to make them smells. Smell good, and a king like Solomon would have this at uh, uh, oftentimes and make himself smell good with different ointments. But it was also something that you might rub on a joint and different uh, uh, different things. Different ointments did different things. We know that, right? Different medications do different things. We know we know these things, right? And so uh, these dead flies—they're either causing this. Mixture this this po this uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for not potion but this ointment that's what I'm looking for this ointment it's either making the ointment to be bad that nobody wants it because there's dead flies in it or the fact that when you use it it's attracting flies that you don't want okay either way uh, we understand that even a, even a little fly makes things nasty doesn't it the the last the last part of chapter 9 we said one sinner destroyeth much good a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump right now let's take let's take application to this you live your life for god's glory and you do a lot of good and accomplish a lot of great things in your life a little folly will ruin your testimony And it'll ruin mine. That's the application here. And actually he's going to get to to that here um, a little bit more I believe. But think about David. Somebody mentions David. I always mention Goliath usually. But it's hard to forget Bathsheba. Isn't it? Because he messed up and he messed up bad. Remember that in our lives that it doesn't matter how great and how good and all these things, right? It doesn't matter uh, how long I've been in ministry and how many souls I've won to Christ and, and uh, how long uh, I've, I've been behind this pulpit, uh, a little folly really mars the testimony. And once you, once you let that trust go, it's hard to get it back. It's hard to get it back. We see that among spouses. We see that among family members. We see that among a lot of things. So, great application there. Let us, let us consider that because we're all tempted often on a lot of things. The devil knows where you're weak and he knows where I'm weak. And may we consider these things as we're being tempted. Hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to finish my course well and do right for God. Amen? I want to finish my course with joy. And if I get mixed up with sin and then I got to deal with the consequences thereof, I'm not going to have much joy through that. So let's consider these, these things that we know. It says, So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor, what we just discovered, or what we just uh, discussed. I mean, uh, in other words, when you're thinking of the ointment, maybe we ought to cover the ointment. Right? What, what, do, you, what do you do? Ladies, you make, you make something and you want it to cool down in your kitchen and uh, you don't always just leave it lay out on the counter. right? You cover it. You might cover it or, you, or uh, whatever the case is. Maybe you bake something, you want to leave it out and we're going to be taken from it. But you put something over it. Why? Because we don't want the bugs in it. We know what flies do. Okay, They bring things back up on your food and mix it around and then eat it and all these things. Right? You don't want that. So we cover it. So let's think about maybe uh, protecting those things that are precious. Yes? Like protecting your marriage that is precious. So a little folly doesn't kick a door wide open and create great sin. We understand these things. Just making some application tonight. Verse 2, A wise man's heart is at his right hand but a fool's heart at his left okay when it's talking about heart here we know he's not literally speaking about a blood pumping uh, organ in his hand but he's talking about the seat of your emotions that the the inner you that nobody knows about not even your spouse only you and God know that part of you that inner part of you and he's saying that a wise man's heart is at his right hand Somebody help me in in Scripture. What's the difference between a right hand and a left hand? Right hand was always blessed. Right hand was always blessed, okay? Right hand is a place of honor. Yes? Jesus sits on what side of of God the Father? The right hand side. It's the side of blessing, right? The the right side is a place of honor. Left was more of an inferior side. Uh, That's the picture there. Uh, left, right has always been associated with righteousness or, or more conservative area, not liberal, right? With me? Left is, is looser, is liberal. All right, so that's what he's saying. He says, a wise man's heart. Doesn't, doesn't Solomon talk about that in his younger years? he say, uh, uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life? What, what's he mean, keep thy heart? To keep thy heart, he's talking about a keeper. You know what a keeper is? That's the goalie in soccer. A a goalie was called a keeper. Protect it. Keep that. Keep that uh, enemy out of your goal. Right? Protect your heart. The devil wants to get it. He he often can get it well with young people because they're so oftentimes they're driven by their emotions and they haven't really learned and matured to take the Word of God and choose what is right over their emotions because they're just growing into their body and they got a lot of things going through their head and a lot of feelings and all that such, right? But the same exact thing happens to us adults. Keep thy heart with all diligence, right? A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but the fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also, verse 3, when he that is a fool walketh by the way... His wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Uh, the, the way here is not necessarily something specific, but it's just the idea that he steps out of his house and he's around other people. And when the fool is walking, he, his wisdom fails him. In other words, uh, he proves to everybody that he's a fool by the choices that he makes By the words that he says, by his actions and his attitudes, he proves to people that he is a fool. All right? Verse 4. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. This sounds like the young version of Solomon now, doesn't it? It seems like chapter 10 has, has left that uh, that, that woe is me and, 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 and everything's vanity. It sounds more like it's Proverbs, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like it's going that way. Maybe he's starting to remember that, you know, when I, when I take God's wisdom and, and I th- consider those things, I can, I can learn a lot more than just me whining about my life because it's vanity when I consider my flesh and where I've been, right? If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, Okay, the idea here with this is that a, here's, a, here's a wise man or an advisor to a king and he advises the king and the king doesn't like his advice. Does that ever happen? Sure it does. Okay, you've sought counsel before. God says in the multitude of counselors there's safety. But sometimes your counselors don't always agree. That's just the way it is. And, uh, and sometimes we don't always heed to every single thing that we're counseled. And the, the king here doesn't like the counsel that he's receiving. And though that person, let's just, let's just take for instance, all right? Um, let's take for instance Brother Martini and myself, right? I'm no king. I'm never going to be a king. I understand that. But I am in a place of leadership. And Brother Martini, uh, he's got some years under him that we found out about tonight, right? And, uh, and he's got a lot of wisdom. And he can counsel me in some areas. And I seek the wisdom of, of Brother Martini, but I also seek the wisdom uh, of Brother Williams, right? And Brother Jones, and Brother Kidwell, and, then, and, and the other fellows as well. And I might go to the deacons. I might go down here to Brother Gunther and ask him so, so, some questions and seek some counsel, Right? That would be a right thing to do. That's that's what a man ought to do. He ought to be humble and go seek counsel. So, again, they're not all going to agree. What if Brother Martini tells me something that I just, I don't like any part of that thing? Right? And I, you know, sometimes a king and sometimes a leader is not always in the right. We know that. And what if I told him, Brother Martini, you're nuts. And I don't like that thing. Don't ever tell me that again. (laughs) He's going to cry. Amen. What is the Bible saying here? Does it say get mad and and throw a, a tantrum and leave? No, it didn't say that at all. He says here, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Is the king or is the leadership going to do what he wants? Yes. That's just the plain and simple of that. He's going to do what he wants. And so if he's going to do what he wants anyway, why leave your place and throw a tantrum tantrum? I can't even say it. Amen? Uh, uh, so he's saying here, he says, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. If I'm going to do what I want anyway, and he tells me something and I don't like it, he might as well say, okay, pastor, it's your decision. It, it lays on your shoulders. You're responsible. You're going to have to answer for that. And uh, though he knows he is right in this thing, is it worth giving up? His influence, where God put him and where he's supposed to be? No. Right? So he's teaching us a thing here. In other words, don't be prideful. Let's be gentle and humble. And remember that that ruler, that leader, will have to answer for what he does. Verse 5: There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Again, the ruler makes decisions. We. we We could talk about the the President of the United States. He's got a cabinet around him in which he's supposed to be advised by, yes, but the responsibility falls on him. Same thing with the pastor of the church, right? I have a group of men around me that I can ask questions to. I have deacons. I have other men in the church that I can ask questions to, but the responsibility lays on me. I will answer for that decision. That's where it's important where we understand that as families, too. The father will answer for things in the home that the wife won't. He's got to make that decision. Now, now the wife is, is, is a part of the home, and she ought to give counsel, and he ought to heed her counsel. But the man's going to give account for that thing. The Bible says he's the head of the home, like Christ is the head of the church. That means there's some responsibility on his shoulders. That's Bible. Man, Ephesians chapter 5. And so, uh, we understand these things. Verse 6. Folly is set in great dignity. This is talking about that evil that he saw in verse 5. Okay. Folly is set in great dignity. And the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. He's saying, sometimes people in leadership don't make good decisions. And sometimes... They promote people that ought not to be promoted. Has there ever been a leader in our country that has put people in places that ought not to be there? Yep. Because you're my friend, because because, uh, I want to stack this thing up, because I know you'll agree with me and go my way. No, we ought to put people places because their skill and their determination and their hard work makes them the best for that position. We know that. That's the American way. But sometimes rulers and leaders and presidents or whoever it might be get selfish and say, I want to stack my deck. I want people that are going to side with me, that aren't going to fuss with me when I do it this way. All right. And the best thing a pastor can do when he's hiring staff is hire people that are better at certain things than he is. Yes. Yeah. Why? Because... I can't do everything. I know that. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, right? I might, be, I might be skilled in some areas, but it's better for me to hire somebody that's, that is strong where I am weak and can tell me how to do some things and can show me how to do some things, right? And it would be only my pride that says, no, uh uh-uh, I'm the best, and you're not going to make me look bad. That would just be prideful. And it would hurt the family as a whole, wouldn't it? Mom and Dad is so important. that You complete one another. And uh, I was just uh, talking about this earlier tonight. How how my wife is the compassionate one, the, the mothering one, the nurturing one, and I'm the disciplinarian one in my home. Okay, so the, the way I was brought up, that this is the way. Not not talking any Star Wars stuff, but you know, this is the way, right? This is this is how it is. And my wife had to teach me how to be loving. When we had our daughter, when Adeline was born, she said, you know, it's okay if you kiss her. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I should kiss her, (laughs) right? (laughs) I should be compassionate. I'd never had a baby before. Come on. You know, you should kiss her goodnight. Tell her you love her. What? Tell her I love her? Anybody come from a home like that? You never said I love you? Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it was, Right? You knew that you loved it because there was food on the table and, and dad worked hard and this is how it was. I wasn't, but my wife was raised differently. Everybody always said I love you. There's always hugs and kisses and all that. She had to teach me that. I was weak in that area, right? Where she is weaker in the disciplinary area and I have to teach her some things. We complete one another. That We understand these things, okay? A, a, a head of a home, a ruler, a leadership leaderships going to understand these things. Okay. Uh, when it says verse six, the rich sit in low place—not necessarily wealthy people, but but people that ought to be in a place of honor. People that have the wisdom or have the—they uh, the, carry themselves a certain way. Let's go on to verse eight. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh a, an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. All right, this pit is not just a ditch on the side of the road. The idea of what he's going after here is a pit to catch a large animal. Uh, Has anybody ever seen the old uh, uh, Swiss Family Robinson from like long ago? Long ago, right? And uh, I I don't know what year. I know there's a couple of them. What year was made? The 60s or something? I don't know. But... uh, uh, I remember watching that a lot growing up, and the, and the little boy, right? He wants to have a part in protecting the family, and the, the pirates are coming, right? And they're they're setting booby traps and everything else, right? And they're setting these different things, and he says, "I need a hole. I going to dig a hole." And he digs he digs this big hole, and his brothers are rolling his eyes. They're rolling their eyes at him, like whatever. I want to catch a tiger, and then when the, and then I'm gonna cover it up, and the tiger's gonna be there, and the bad guy's gonna fall in the hole, and the tiger's gonna get him. Right? Guess what? The little boy was right. At least Hollywood said he was. Amen. Okay. And uh, he got his tiger, and, and, and well, the bad guys fell in the hole. Got, the tiger got him, okay? So, uh, in other words, that's the kind of pit that it's talking about here. And he that diggeth the pit. In other words, sometimes we do things and we, we blow it. Sometimes we're doing things that hurt ourselves because of our own stinking pride. We're still talking about leadership here, the ruler, and sometimes a ruler does something that's not good. Sometimes we, we dig our own pits, we dig our own ditches that we fall into, and uh, he whosoever breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Why was the hedge put there? A hedge is a fence. Right? A hedge is, I mean, it might be a group of bushes here, but it it outlines, it gives a a boundary line for protection. Well, a bunch of bushes, a snake's going to crawl in there. And then you try to take it out and the snake's going to bite you, right? Sometimes we do things that are to our own hurt. We have to understand this. Verse 9, Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. In other words, you're chopping wood. And sometimes we do things and stuff happens. Right? Sometimes people lose fingers or get hurt or a piece of wood falls on your head because your brother was throwing it in the back of the truck and didn't look very well and it hit you in the head. Right? It happens. I'm not talking about any life experiences there or anything. But moving on. Verse 10. If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge... Then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. All right? This is a very easy verse. We understand what it's saying. Wet the edge. is talking about sharpening it. It's talking about sharpening it. Okay? And a guy, he's cutting trees. Every once in a while, he needs to stop and he needs to ch- sharpen his, his chain on his saw. Because he's going to spend all day with a dull chain going on a log here when he could spend half that time if he would have just stopped and sharpened his chain. Now, make application for that. Here in a few weeks, I'm going to take the pastoral staff and their wives away for a couple days, and we're going to sharpen the axe. That's important. They need to know that I appreciate them, and that, that, uh, that, that I pray for them, and that i going to challenge them on some things, and we're going to have some fun. It's an important thing to do, sharpen the axe. If I never pay attention to them, I'm waiting for trouble. We're just going gonna to be a, a, a dull axe, right? And we're just going to go at it and we're going to wear ourselves out until somebody gives. I need to sharpen the axe every once in a while. You know that. Husbands, you ought to know that about your wife. Not, She's an axe. Don't call her an axe, okay? <laughs> but it's important that you treat her special and take her out every once in a while and do something special for her. That's important. Amen. It's beneficial to your marriage. Yes, Amen. yes, it is. We know these things. Okay, all right. Moving on here, verse number eleven. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and babbler and a babbler is no better. All right, There's the serpent ench- being enchanted. All right, you've seen it where the serpent's in the basket, right? And the guy's are like, and the serpent's coming up like this. Right? There is ways to enchant serpents. All right? And some people do it with their voices, and some people do it with instruments and all that. That's what it's referring to. Look what he says. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. In other words, if the snake bites you before you enchant it, what good was your skill to enchant it? Right? So a skill or a, a good work that you can do if it's done at the wrong time is not worth anything. That's where wisdom comes into play, right? Just because you have knowledge, but you don't apply it in the right area or at the right time, that doesn't make you wise. Wisdom is, is that experience with that knowledge and using it at the right time and the right place. We know these things. Verse 12, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself, okay? The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, full of grace, full of grace, all right? But the lips of a fool shall, will f- swallow up himself. That really what that means, swallow up himself, means destroy himself, get him into trouble, okay? Uh, often, uh, my whole life, you know how I got in trouble? It's my, ma- my mouth. Because <laughs> I was a fool. Right? As a kid, I'd run my mouth, get in trouble. And as an adult, I'd say things and hurt people's feelings or whatever, get in trouble, right? Because I use my mouth for much of what I do. And so I need to be wise with how I use my mouth. We all, we all do. Amen? What's, what's James say? That's pretty important, isn't it? So said, if a man can't control his mouth, what can he control? Right. Verse number 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. All right. He's he's a fool. He's showing this off uh, by by as he talks. And it, and it leads to what what's even worse. Uh, look, it keeps going here. Fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him who can tell him. Sometimes we run our mouths about things we have no idea what we're talking about. Okay? Sometimes uh, we see this in young people and we point it out, but we're just as guilty. And we get running our mouth and we get talking, all right? And and there's sin in much of those words, right? Because the more we talk, the more we don't even know what we're talking about. We're babbling about things. And a fool shows himself very openly and very clearly by his mouth. And uh, here he's full of words, seems like Solomon already dealt with that in Proverbs, didn't he? For sake of time tonight, we won't turn to it, but if you write down Proverbs 17, mm-hmm. verses 27 and 28, it says something about, He who spareth his words is counted wise. Yeah. It's, better to, it's better for people to think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? That's me right there. (laughs) Amen and amen. All right. Let's continue on. Let's see if we can just finish this up real quick. All right. It says here, uh, verse 15. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. You've been around people. They talk so much and they they act like they're the biggest thing since sliced bread. And uh, they're all that and a bag of chips and, and some... A twinkie on the side. And they get talking about things and think they're all that, and they're they're saying how good they are at this and how great they are at that, and look at what I've accomplished here, and then you get to working with them and they ain't worth nothing. Right? You've been around them, I've been around them. It's just the way it is. If that's a fool, he's marking a fool here by his actions here. Woe to thee, verse 16. Woe to thee, O land, when the king, thy king, is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Excuse me. He's saying here is when your king is immature, when it is not necessarily meaning he's eight years old, but he's he's not an adult. He's not he doesn't have the maturity of adult. And what what's it saying? Thy princes eat in the morning. In other words, they're eating first, their party party life comes first. Their pleasure, what they what they want, what their body wants comes first, before the work. Alright? That's what it's talking about here. To party and not to work. Uh, Verse 17, blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. Okay, so in other words, it's great when your leader has a little wisdom about him, when he's been around people that have counseled him, when he's, if you want to be wise, what's the Bible say do? It says walk with wise men. Right? It says here, if the king's a child, but he's been raised by nobles, been raised by, um, by wise men, Okay, that's a good thing. And he doesn't just live the life of his pleasure, he knows that he has responsibility. A king has great responsibility on him, just like a pastor does. There's things around here that I must uh, give an account for, I must check on regularly, and I would be foolish to just let them go and never check on them. I could sit in my office and, and drink a Coke half the day and put my feet up and take a snooze and all this such, right? And I could enjoy the party life. And many of you wouldn't know it. But eventually, my slacking attitude there would start coming out when things aren't handled. That's the fool. He's shown there. Okay? All right, verse 18. But much, by much sloth, slothfulness... The building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. In other words, because we're lazy, so that's what slothfulness is, the building is falling apart. Because we don't handle the responsibilities, the, the house around you is falling apart. When it says the hands of the house, through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through, that means it leaks. The roof is leaking. Uh, the way that homes remain back here, Back in these days, they had to be uh, kept up. Oftentimes, uh, there was there was much maintenance done to keep them from leaking. Just by the way they were built, it had to be often cared for. And because if it was not by laziness, then you would have a leak in house. Okay, just like if you don't want snakes in your yard, then cut your grass. And the lazy person doesn't cut their grass but once a month or once every couple months. And they got grass that's up to their knees. And they're wondering why they got all these varmints around their house. And snakes coming in and all these things. Right? I mean, we understand that. That's what he's saying here. Verse 19. A feast is made for laughter. And wine maketh merry. But money answereth all things. Okay, so a feast is a good thing. Wine, that makes you happy. All right, we just dealt with that Sunday night and we know what he's talking about there. But the party life, right? But money answereth all things. In other words, if you want it, you can go buy it and you can have it, right? But that doesn't mean that's the wisest thing. That doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Okay, our church, we have bank accounts and we have money in them for a reason, we have great needs around here, and we, we tend for those. But I've got to be wise in how I distribute that money and how I, what decisions I make with that money. Yes? Yeah. Because it would be easy to just go out and buy a, a, a company car. Yeah, why not? Let's have a company car. Yeah? You know, make sure it's a V8. It's, good. it's a stick. You know, something you can have some fun with. Why not? Can you see Mrs. Williams say, I just take the company car out for lunch? <laughs> but that would be foolish, wouldn't it? That would be mighty foolish. Okay? I tried to get the preacher I was under in Michigan to do that, and he wasn't for it. All right. He always wanted a vet. I said, why don't we just have a vet for a company car? We'll just take care of it. Amen. No, it didn't work that way. Curse not the king. Curse not the king. Know not in thy fault, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? A little birdie told me so. Right? In other words, if you don't agree with your leadership, then zip your lip. That's what he's saying, isn't it, not what, what business do we have going around criticizing uh, the president all the time? Are we gonna, uh, is it up to us to, to, uh, that we're going to remove him from office? We can't do anything single-handedly. Okay? What business does it, do I have criticizing the, the mayor of the town all the time? If I don't agree with it, then maybe I should do it the right way right? and go to a city council meeting and talk about some things don't have to tear a man down but i can talk about policies and all that he's saying is don't do that it's going to be to your hurt the 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 context of the scripture here is talking about the ruler and a a ruler that doesn't make wise decisions and he's going to the king's going to do what he wants well your complaining and your negative attitude is going to get back to the king a little birdie's going to tell him and so he says be careful with your mouth be careful with that all right we got through another chapter praise the lord amen Two chapters?